Well, hello. Thank you for saying my name. Those of you who know me, those of you who don't, my name is Cole, and it's so I'm so happy to be here tonight. From time to time, I, I you know I work here at this church. I work for Beach, and from time to time, Ryan gives me the chance to come and share with you guys what I feel like God's been putting in my heart, and ultimately. I feel like tonight God has something huge for us, so I'm really, really excited. Y'all have been in this series called Better Together for several weeks now, and I love that what Ryan talked about last night or last week uh, is that in this sense of us that we're better together, that how do we actually make that together better? How do we create healthy community? How do we have time that's spent together actually work? Because the issue is when we get around a bunch of other people, we get around a bunch of other people who maybe annoy us or bother us or get on our nerves or we don't necessarily get along with. But ultimately, through some, some introspection that we spent last week, we looked at, like, what does it look like to be trustworthy and to be all authentic and to be real and to have safe environments that we can welcome people into. And so tonight, kind of stepping out of that, I want to talk about what are some byproducts of healthy togetherness. Like, if, if healthy togetherness is a plant, what are the fruits that are coming off of that plant? And my encouragement to you right from the beginning is that a healthy thing grows and the mere fact that we are in the second service of United right now, and we've been doing two Uniteds week after week after week, is because United is growing. It is healthy. It is, it is showing itself that we're having to have these two different services just to accommodate for the number of people that are here. And so tonight, I wanted to take some time to talk about just this, this idea. And really, my, my entire message tonight comes down to one kind of mantra, and it's that we is greater than me. Everybody say we. we. So all of you that just said we, you are the we. Now everybody say me. me. So that's just you individually. So we is greater than me. Us collectively is greater than myself alone. And the reason why I, I, I'm excited about that and the byproduct of us being together and it being better together and kind of where we're headed tonight is that when it comes to impacting others for Jesus, we is better than me. That when it comes to sharing my faith and reaching people for Jesus, it is far more easily accomplished through a together collective effort than if I was just venturing out alone. And so we're gonna, uh, we're gonna read a passage of scripture. We're gonna reflect on it for a little bit. But I wanna take a moment right here at the very beginning for us to kind of like breathe Set our attention. So if you would, just bow your head and close your eyes. And first, just give yourself 10 seconds of centering your mind back in this time. Heavenly Father, God, we desire change. We know that the things that you're calling us to in life are different than the status quo. So I pray that tonight, God, that we would be authentic, real, God, that we would be willing to look inwardly with a filtering eye, God, and see the things that you're calling us towards change. Honestly, God, we ask to be convicted, to be challenged, but also to be encouraged and celebrated. So God, I pray that in this time, God, we would give you our full attention knowing that you desire to see us leave different than we arrived. God, that we desire to see what can happen when we proceed together out into unknown territory and what the collective 
force of the kingdom of heaven looks like venturing into new space. So Heavenly Father, God, work in our hearts tonight. Amen. Amen. So uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about how we is greater than me. And I thought there was a, a passage of scripture that especially highlights this statement or especially focuses in on how we is greater than me when it comes to reaching others for Jesus. And it comes out of the book of Luke. Now, the book of Luke is in the New Testament. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You maybe have heard this term before, the Gospels. The Gospels are the stories of Jesus' life. So we're going to read from Luke and his account of Jesus' life. And there's stories about Jesus healing people, Jesus feeding people, Jesus just living and being around and loving on people, his death, his execution, his resurrection, like his entire life. We're going to look at an earlier time in his ministry when he's kind of just getting down and started in the road. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn there. We're going to be starting in verse 17, uh, or it's going to be on the screen as well. But in this passage, we're going to see uh, a paralytic man that's brought before Jesus and, and see how Jesus heals him, and, and we're going to reflect on kind of how that means that we are greater than me. So starting in verse 17, and stay with me. So one day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, a.k.a. like everybody's there. People have come in from town and town and town over to come and be around Jesus. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, uh, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take them, take him to the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the people that were in the audience, began to think to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Spoiler alert, Jesus can because he's also God. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. He stood up in front of them, and immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Verse 26. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. So what's happening in this story? Because I know for me, a lot of times when somebody reads a long passage of Scripture, I get about three lines in and then I'm lost. But what's happening, and Ryan talked about this last week, that Jesus was notorious for, like, crowds. Like, anywhere he went, he was the thing to follow. And so this time in particular, the crowd is so great that to a degree, it's almost stopping the ability for ministry to happen. You have these friends that have brought somebody here to be healed to meet Jesus, and they physically can't get to Jesus because there's too many people around Jesus. And so these friends decide, well, you know, we're not going to just turn tail and go back home and say today was a waste. 
no, we're going to figure out another way. And so they go up on the roof of this house, start digging through the roof of the house to let this guy down in front of Jesus. Now, I love, like, Jesus' perspective. Because all of a sudden, you know, little dust particles start trickling down from the roof above you. And then bigger chunks and bigger chunks. And there's, like, straw and mud falling on the, like, can you imagine being in the room and, like, literally fearing for your life maybe that, like, the roof is collapsing on you? And all of a sudden, like, a beam of light comes piercing through. And you see somebody's, like, hand just, like, clawing at the dirt. And they widen out the circle because all of a sudden, hey, a hand or a circle the size of a hand doesn't fit a person through. So they keep widening it, widening it, widening it just to get it big enough to let their friend down. And Jesus sees this and immediately knows the entire story. He immediately knows. He goes, man, these guys carried him all the way to this house. Didn't let a crowd stop them from getting to me. Didn't let a roof stop them from getting to me. Like, man, their faith is so great. They believe that I can heal them. And so like, In that moment, Jesus sees all that and goes, oh, dog, man, your sins are forgiven. And it's funny because immediately the people around and the crowds themselves are like, who is this guy who can forgive sins? But Jesus, being Jesus, is about to flex like crazy his authority muscle. He's about to showcase how good, how powerful, how strong he is. Because he goes, look, man, I can, first of all, I know what you're thinking. I can just read your mind right now. I know y'all are thinking that to yourselves, but I know what you're thinking. And he goes, is it easier for me to say that his sin's forgiven? Which, by the way, is the only half that matters. I know, like, we want him to be healed. We want him to be able to walk again. Like, that is a great thing to celebrate. But a far greater thing to celebrate, a far more impossible power to have, is for Jesus to just say, hey, your sins are clear. I got those. Sorry, you're, you're, you're good. But no, he goes, is it easier for me to forgive him for sins? Or is it easier for me to tell him to get up and walk? Basically, just to spite the crowd around him, he goes, hey, but if that's what you're going to ask me to do, you can also get up and walk. And immediately, the guy shoots up, full strength, no atrophy in his muscles at all, like he can just walk, and now he can run and dance and sing. And, it's, and he says, you know, the end, the, end of the, the end of the section ends with him, like, literally running through the streets, celebrating. And the reason why I feel like this points so heavily to how we are greater than me is, is, is two sides, Number one, I see in this story just an incredible display of Jesus' authority. We, uh, if you were at big church this morning, we just talked about how God brings healing into our lives and how it can feel like maybe the thing I'm struggling with will never be relinquished. I'll never get over. I'll never get past it. But everything is impossible until God says otherwise. And so in this situation, Jesus is not only able to forgive sins, he's able to say to a guy who's never walked, go ahead. Just, yeah, you're good. Yep, get up. And he does. But the reason why I want to talk about tonight is this other half, is this insane, insane persistence of a group of friends to get their friend to Jesus. And the reason why we is greater than me, and I feel like that's the question I want to answer, is if I'm telling y'all that we is greater than me, you might be asking Cole Cable, why is we greater than me? And I feel like there's a handful of examples that I want to focus in on from this passage. The first reason why we is greater than me is something I call bigger boldness. Bigger boldness. You see, first of all, there's a cultural barrier. They approach this house, these four guys, or five guys, how many it was, and the house is literally like encased in people. 
It's like the equivalent, if you've ever driven yet, if you've driven on your own, or just probably ridden with your parents on a long road trip, when you come over one of those overpasses, and all of a sudden you just see taillights all backed up for miles. Like you can like, you have that higher perspective, so you can just see traffic for as far as the eye can see, and you immediately, your heart sinks. You're like, oh, no, 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 no. Like I just passed the exit that I could have left before, and now I'm going to be stuck in this for hours. They walk up to the situation, and it's, it's, like, it's like a traffic jam. It's a sea of Pharisees. Oh, a Pharisee. That's kind of, yeah. um, But they see this situation, and culturally speaking, these were the elite of society. These were the religious officials. These were people in power and stature. I'm us four average Joes. I don't get to just say, oh, excuse us, excuse us. Uh, we have an appointment with Jesus. Let me through, let me through. No, like, they're so bold that they see the situation of people that they can't push through and say, okay, well, then we'll figure out another way. They're so bold together that when they go up to dig on the roof, it's not this just instantaneous, easy process. Like, I think part of us picture that it was like this moon roof on the house that just like lifted up, unhinged, cleanly lit this person down in there. No, like they were like clawing to get this person in there. They were bold enough to keep pushing through. And the reason why they're bold is because, look, it's saying there's a huge crowd. So I got to believe there's people who see them climb up on the roof and start digging into the roof. And if I'm one of those people, I'm like, dog, what are y'all doing? Stop. If I'm the homeowner, I'm like, you're tearing up my house. Please stop. But they don't care. They're that much more bold because they're together. They're able to chase down crazier things. They're able to do something that no one of them could have done on their own. Look, if I'm me and I have a friend who is a paralytic and I want to take him to see Jesus, first hurdle is me just getting him there on my own. Like, how am I going to carry him all the way there on my own? Then I get to see the crowd and all of a sudden, even worse. I can't now with just one of me take him through to see Jesus. I certainly can't get him up on the roof. I certainly can't dig through the roof alone. I certainly can't lift him down through the roof on my own. But because they are together, they're able to go that much further. I see this example play out a lot in our lives. And you've probably seen this happen yourself. We do a bunch of different missions. We do a bunch of different like things designed for you to encourage other people around you towards Jesus. Things like Rising Tide and Albany and Jamaica and Jack's. In all these environments, we challenge you to go and be a light into the community, to be an example of Christ's love to the people around you. And what I've seen to be true in my own experience is that I am far better at being an example of Christ's love, at, at inspiring people to experience Jesus when I'm alongside other people who are hoping to do the same thing. Like I can literally picture examples in my mind of conversations in Jamaica alongside Ryan where we're both talking to the same guy. And like I might be on like a whole little spiel working on him. Meanwhile, like Ryan's like tearing through the Bible looking for this verse that he knows is gonna like help like command where he's headed. And then I'm giving an example. Like the two of us together are able to chase far more and far faster after this person than if it was just one of us alone. So the first reason why we is greater than me is because we allows us to be more bold. Now, the second example I see here of why we is greater than me is something I call collective creativity. Everybody say collective creativity. The reason why I like collective creativity is because this is applicable regardless of if you believe in Jesus or not. Collective creativity is essentially like almost a business and life principle, practice. The idea is that if I'm trying to solve a problem, the more brain power, the more people I surround the process of solving that problem, 
the faster we'll come up with a solution. The more creative of a solution we'll come up with. The more time sensitive, the more effective, the more efficient. All these examples of like ultimately what is yielded, the product from more people thinking about how to solve something is better than if one person was just trying to think about it. In this example, you have these guys, they get up to the house and again, Huge crowd, can't get through. And I almost picture them walking up like one by one, kind of carrying the guy. First guy walks up and, you know, he maybe cusses under his breath. He's like, goodness gracious, there are so many people here. Next guy walks up, he's like, yeah, there really are. Third person walks up like, well, nobody's on the roof. Fourth guy walks up like, yeah, and I know that, well, I just did my roof about a week ago. It's not that hard. We could probably dig through. And all of a sudden, because all of them are there together, they're able to chase down this really, really ridiculous and really creative solution. We begin to, when we realize that we is greater than me, we add people in to the creative process. Look, a way that that shows up in a very just like prime example that y'all can understand, I mean, y'all, y'all understood that, I know that you're smart, but when we talk about what we're heading towards in a few weeks, we're heading to Epworth. Now, Epworth happens every year. It is stinking awesome. Like, I went as a student, I went as a leader, I went as a young adult, I went as a slightly older young adult. But all the while, I've seen God just do insane things at Epworth. And y'all are always like, man, this was awesome. I think, well, I did say that y'all are smart, but one time one of y'all asked who puts on Epworth. We, we, we do. The, the staff of Beach Students puts on Epworth. Okay, so just want to clear that up. But Epworth is never birthed from Ryan just sitting at his office on his desk going, all right, well, I think I'll preach that message, and then we'll sing this song, we're going to play that game, and then we'll have this breakout, and then uh, we'll talk about this on the night where it gets really emotional, uh, So, and that'll be Epworth. No. I mean, Ryan's great. He's not that smart. And so he is that smart, though, that he surrounds himself with lots of other people who are talented. When we embrace the idea of collective creativity, all of a sudden we get to share each other's strengths. We get to eliminate each other's weaknesses. Because when it comes to planning for Epworth, we put ourselves in a room of graphic designers and videographers and sermon writers and and Bible lovers and student lovers and people who are dedicated to seeing Epworth be the best thing ever. And so it ends up being a room of like 10 to 12 people, and we end up with this product that is birthed out of this collective mind of the people in the room. And all of a sudden, the fact that I am not good at planning gets eliminated by the fact that Denise is so good at planning. And the fact that maybe I can help think of a video idea, eliminate somebody else's, you know, they couldn't think of a video idea. Ultimately, we get to share in this creative process. Another thing that we get to share in, another reason why I love this passage and why I think that we is greater than me, is this idea that I call shared celebration. And, uh, you know, not that I'm choosing my favorite kid, this is my favorite one. Uh, shared celebration. The reason why it's my favorite one is I feel like it's one of these things that more or less is probably going unnoticed or, or mislabeled in, in your life this far, which is this. I think that all of you in this room have had an experience like this. A lot of you in this room have probably had many experiences like this up until this point. An experience where you feel so encouraged by God, like you're, you're singing and all of a sudden you just get like chills on the back of your neck and like you get like this pressure in your chest and you can't you like are overwhelmed by how certain you are that God is like right next to you or you uh you know prayed like crazy and something happened it was answered your prayer was answered and like you begin to just like snot cry because you're like blown away at God answering that prayer 
What's happening in all of these circumstances is that God is sharing his glory. God is perfect. He's without imperfection. He does everything so that we recognize how beautiful, how perfect he is. Him reestablishing relationships with us by giving us Jesus was so that we could understand how beautiful he is. But he is so great and also so generous that he's willing to allow the things that he's basically earned, the, the glory that he's earned in his, for himself entirely and only, he's allowed us to share in it. I think a little bit clearer way of, of, of explaining what I'm talking about is a few years ago, and, and some of y'all know these students, they just graduated out, but Kendall, Nicole, and Sydney had a friend named Olivia. And for years, years, they prayed like crazy that Olivia would come to know Jesus. And for years and years, they waited. They, they hoped, they prayed, they invited her to United, they got her here, all that kind of stuff. And a few years ago, they got her to Epworth. And you, know, you can be in their mind, they're like, okay, man, she's coming to Epworth, God's gonna, she's gonna cry, she's gonna give her life over to Jesus, like it's all gonna be perfect. But then at Epworth, Ryan gives the message and gives this huge call of like, man, if you haven't taken that step yet of giving your life over to Jesus, like now's the time. And hands go up all around the room, but not Olivia's. And I remember seeing Kendall, Nicole, and Sydney, like in that moment, immediately just like sink. Like they were so certain that getting her to Epworth, getting her to this one message would change everything, and it didn't. But what did happen was later that same weekend, through a conversation amongst themselves, she arrived at that conclusion, and Olivia did give her life to Jesus. And if you were there, you maybe remember this. If you weren't, man, I wish you could have seen it. Because all of a sudden, you got to see what happens when God shares his glory with us. Because all of a sudden, Sydney and Nicole and Kendall got to celebrate with each other about hours and years spent praying for Olivia. And Olivia got to see and understand how desperately their friends had been praying for her and inviting her. And now their bond, their shared celebration is so incredibly overwhelming that they're like snot-faced crying, hugging each other like crazy, like just blown away at how good God is. Shared celebration. And it shows itself in this passage. You can see in verse 26, it says, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Look, these guys that went by any means necessary to get their friend in front of Jesus get to see their friend healed. And all of a sudden, it didn't matter that it took eight hours to walk him all the way to this town. It didn't matter that it hurt their fingers to dig through the roof. They just went screaming through the streets, basically, celebrating that Jesus had healed their friend. They got to share in the celebration because they all put an investment in they all get to win from that same investment. And so we is greater than me because there's been plenty of times in my life when I pray for something and God does it, and there's this joy. There's like me, yes, God, you're so good. But any time I've been able to pray for something alongside other people or chase down something for Jesus alongside other people and it happens, like all of a sudden, man, like elbow to elbow, like we're all stinking overjoyed, pumped. It's the reason why Epworth is such a unique environment where you like feel like all of a sudden, like in just a weekend, you're like 
man, I love you. You're my best friend. Like, we had this together, man. We went through that together. Like, it's because of the shared celebration. Now, the last thing from this passage that I think that God, you know, has for us and, and why we is greater than me is another one that I feel like is just unfortunately so often overlooked or, or more so just overcomplicated. And I, and I say all these things, understand, like, understand I'm talking to myself. I, I'm, I'm in no, by no means standing up here like just this killer of leading people to Jesus. Like I'm struggling myself. But this idea is that we are greater than me because of modeled mastery. And if you've been following along closely, my OCD brain got a little bit of alliteration in here on all these points, but modeled mastery. So modeled mastery, I'll, I'll put it like this. So I've been, uh, been chaplaining for the Fletcher High School football team this year, and it's been going great. I've got to pray with the, with the players uh, and, and give a little chapel time uh, on Friday nights and encourage them. And I was talking with Greg Chapman. He runs FCA. If you know him or you would recognize him, he's great. Yeah, he's great. But I was talking with him, and he's like, Cole, you know, I'm, I'm talking with people, and they always are blown away at what God's doing in FCA. And we saw this happen, and that happened, and this happened, and that happened. But my response is always the same, because they're always like, man, I can't believe that's happening, or I can't, how'd you do that? How is that possible? And his response is always just, I'm just doing what Jesus told us to do. I'm just sharing the gospel with all the nations. I'm just going and meeting with students to challenge them towards Jesus, like, we overcomplicate it. And the reason, or the, the, the reason why we don't want to is because the example that's set, the mastery that we're talking about modeling is the mastery of Jesus, who is God, steps outside of time, steps into earth as a physical person, lives his life alongside us, dies, resurrects, to, to ultimately save us, to save us from that because he wants to be with us. He wants to be reunited. He wants to have a we in heaven but also look at his life on earth. Like, I feel like there's times in my life where if I want to accomplish something, I'm like, well, I wish I could have some help, but it's gonna take longer to like train somebody else on how to do this, so I should just like, I'm gonna spend the next eight hours and just knock it out on my own and be miserable, but like I'd rather not teach somebody else. No. The example from Jesus is like, like how frustrating do you think it was for God to come and like try to teach us how to be godly? And, and they, you know, you saw the disciples fail all the time. But ultimately, what Jesus models in that is that he being God, being the only, complete, whole in himself, like needs nothing else, chose to be around us, chose to be a we. He surrounded himself with the disciples. He surrounded himself with people and met with people all the time. As, as Ryan said, people who were not like Jesus liked Jesus. And so everywhere he went, this crowd followed him because he desired to be in a we environment. Now, tonight, as I invite the band back up, I want to share a story of why this is so important to me. And uh, I feel like if I say I'm going to get choked up, I'm going to get choked up, so we're just going to move straight into it. The reason why this is so important to me, the reason why I believe in a we universe over a me universe. Because I've seen what it looks like when it, when it pays out. For years, if those of you who are close enough with me, for years, I prayed like crazy for my brothers to come into a relationship with Jesus. 
like crazy. And there's times when it got very, like it wasn't going to happen. Like, oh, uh, I've just prayed and prayed and it's never going to happen. And I had life group and people around me who also knew about this and would ask from time to time, like, hey, how's it going? Any developments yet? I got to even include my parents into it. And the reason why I believe so strongly in this and the reason why I'm so impassioned about this is because for the past few months, my brother and his wife and their child have come to church every single Sunday. He sits next to me, asks questions about what God's challenging him with. And all of a sudden, this thing that I prayed for, like nobody's business, becomes this incredible point of God's glory that he's allowing me to share in, my parents to share in. We is greater than me because my guys in my life group get to cheer alongside me as my brother comes into a believing relationship with Jesus. And so tonight, if we believe that we is greater than me, I want to answer the question of how do we grow the we? How do we grow that together? And I have a handful of ways because truly it grows in all kinds of ways. The first one that I want to talk about is life groups. Some of y'all get this already, and some of you don't, and that's okay. But you need to understand how uniquely powerful a life group environment is for impacting lives towards Jesus. This room, this, this environment united is great, but it serves a different purpose. We as a ministry, of course, we, we aim to point students to Jesus, but life groups are designed to be a special and significant and safe place for students to come alongside other students their age and share with the things that they're struggling with, be authentic, be real, trust that when they bear the stuff they're going through, that it won't be spread to the people around them. Siri, no thank you. Share with the people around them. And the issue with, with why this might be a little bit challenging is because a lot of times when it comes to things like our faith, we are very me-centered. But what I've seen from you guys has blown me away. And one of the things I want to celebrate about life groups are at the beginning of the year, some of your life groups were so big. They got so healthy, they became unhealthy. That y'all split. Y'all became two groups of the same age group because 50 people in a room doesn't accomplish the goal of what a life group's supposed to be. And so I'm so proud of y'all that y'all just said to yourselves, well, while I would prefer to have it be the way it is with all my friends, I'm willing to say no to me for the sake of we. I'm willing to allow our group to be split so that we can reach more people. And, I, and my challenge to you is it is your job to protect the sanctuary that is your life group, the safe place that is your life group, the encouraging, welcoming of all people place that is your life group. For your friends, this might be too intimidating of an environment to step into first. But perhaps a life group invitation is the thing they need. Another thing I think of how we grow the we is in this space, is in United. Again, we've been doing double services all year because we believe 
that we should be doing everything we can to reach the most students as possible. If our mission is to point students to Jesus, we're gonna do whatever it takes to point as many students to Jesus. We want that plural of students to be as big as possible. And so while it's great to have United packed out, busting at the walls, we realize that people can't come if there's not a place to sit. And so I'm so proud of y'all for going to two services. But I'm proud of y'all and I wanna challenge y'all Some of you understand and have completely bought into what United's about. You love it. You're looking forward to it every single week. But United isn't just for you. And even that term, even that title, United, was by no mistake. Because every single week, 6th to 12th grade get together in a room to chase after Jesus, to be pointed towards Jesus. And perhaps the empty seat next to you, if you have one, for you right now, it represents a person in your class person in your neighborhood, a friend, a cousin. We want to fill these seats, not because of a number thing, but because we truly believe that pointing students to Jesus is the best thing we can do. Another way that we grow the we is with this upcoming event called Epworth. Yeah, indeed. For those of you who have been before, you, you understand. And for those of you who haven't, you, you have to go. There is not a single year that God does not completely wreck and rewrite life stories. You see it happen in your friends and you've seen it happen in yourself when you've gone before. And the thing I would challenge you with is that story with Kendall and Sydney and Nicole and their friend Olivia and getting her to Epworth. Like that could be your story as well. You know, a few of y'all have a friend that's not here tonight and you've tried and tried to get them united, but perhaps getting them to Epworth, Epworth will change their life. Like, why, why wouldn't we risk that chance? And so I would challenge you. First of all, you gotta go to Epworth because of what happens when a collective body of people chase after that same thing. All of a sudden you come into this insane depth of community with the people around you who went to Epworth. You're like, man, We went through all of that. We saw God do all of this. Like you remember last year, like the few weeks coming out of it, like all of a sudden it's like every person's your best friend. You're like high-fiving, like you got the inside jokes. Like we happens so well at Epworth that why would we not get that we to be as big as possible there? Now the last way that we grow the we and probably the most challenging is on a personal level. Look, every one of us is in this room right now because somebody else let us down through a roof on a mat. And some of you are saying, Cole, my story's not that dramatic. I've always gone to church. That's because somebody who cared enough about you made sure that you were always around church. For those of you who came to church or got involved and got connected with Jesus later in life, you can now stand and say, man, what it was it like before as compared to what it is like now. And how much better it is now having a relationship devoted and given over to Jesus. And the issue with that is, how would we allow ourselves to be so selfish that we would get let down on the mat and not turn around to do it for somebody else? Not be willing to do it for somebody else? Look, I, I believe in this story when Jesus heals this man 
and, and restores his strength that he can walk again. Like, yes, part one is to des- demonstrate how his authority is unwavered. Like, he, he can do anything. But I think on a small part, is Jesus adding another able body advocate for his kingdom? This guy can walk. Well, I bet you this guy's going to go find somebody else who can't and repeat the process. Find somebody else with an infirmity. Find somebody else who's struggling with something. Let his body be a testimony. Man, look, I'm walking right now because of Jesus. You should be too. Look, this story is Jesus demonstrating his power, but it's also Jesus showing us what is required of us to reach other people for Jesus. Because I think a lot of times we are passive and lazy, and I'm talking to myself. We, we would hope that an invitation to church and then the Sunday right after would be the conversion and then everything would be great. But that's not the case. They arrive to where they hope to find Jesus, can't get to him, find another way by digging through the roof to get Jesus to Like it's dirty, it's, it, it takes effort. And so I would challenge you tonight that, man, who is that person that God's calling you for? I, I, I thought about it in this illustration. In middle school, we played this game, a tag called Infect, where like I'm the person who's it and there's 100 people in the room. I tag somebody, now both of us are it. And they tag somebody and now all four of us are it. And very quickly, there's a horde of people that are it and a very small amount of people that are running for their lives not to be it. And honestly, I think there is a direct connection with God's plan for us. Because he saved, he, he, he sent Jesus to save you, yes, because he wanted you. But man, he wants you because he also wants your friend. He wants you because he also wants you to help him reach your cousin, your aunt, your uncle, your neighbor. We cannot allow ourselves to be selfish and let God's plan for our life end with us, with just me. We have to, have to look to the we. So my final kind of question to you as we go into this, this time of worship Does my faith help point my friends to Jesus? Does my faith help point my friends to Jesus? If a friend of yours replicated your life, they did what you did when you got up, ate what you ate when you had breakfast and went to school and repeated your actions, at the end of the day, would they be in closer proximity to Jesus or further? A friend of mine once said, there, there is no idol. It's not like, oh, I, I'm, I'm just as close to Jesus as I was yesterday. You either grow closer or you fall further. So I want you to ask yourselves, does my faith help point my friends to Jesus? So as we sing this last song, I would encourage you. Perhaps it's getting with your life group and praying up here about creating an environment that welcomes everyone. Maybe it's get with some of the people that you serve with at Unite and say, man, we got to take it 10 more steps higher on welcoming and inviting and making people feel like they're meant to be here. Like I think about it like this. Anytime I've been invited to a party or like a gathering or just like hang out, like I have my one close friend who texts me at first, you're like, hey, are you coming? And on the right there with just the one text, I'm like, I could take it either way. But all of a sudden, if more people start reaching out to me, like, hey, are you coming? Are you coming? I hope you're there. All of a sudden, man, I'm like so encouraged to be there. So maybe it looks like there's a friend that a lot of y'all share that looks like all of y'all inviting, all of y'all pouring into. 
So let's do this. Let's be real in these next moments. Let's be authentic with ourselves and ask ourselves, how can we, as a body of Christ, as a a group of believers, reach people for Jesus?